All right, folks. I'm going to do something new with my life, and it's going to be this. Recording my thoughts every day into a microphone. And I'm not going to think about what I'm saying, <laughs> so I apologize in advance. But you're going to get some stream of consciousness here. And my goal is to do this every day, to post it on my podcast, uh, but also probably make content out of it so that I'm kind of, you know, getting two birds stoned at once, if you will. Um, I, uh, I don't even know what I'm going to talk about. Really, I'm very much so interested in what showing up to the world in what is consistent in me over time. And the one thing that is consistent in me over time is my experience. Um, my thoughts change all the time. My emotions change all the time. My ability to uh, articulate concepts and um, frameworks changes over time. But I'm able to share my truth. And that's going to be the foundation of this podcast going forward is what am I experiencing? And something that I've been thinking a lot about wanting to share more is my own experience with dream work and with working with Carl Jung psychology in my own life. Um, and something just for fun, I'll tell you my dream that I have been working with most recently. Um, well, actually it's an old dream. So when I first got into Carl Jung, I started reading all of his books and I, uh, I read his theory on synchronicity and it didn't make a lot of sense to me the first time through. I've, I've read it three times now but the first time through i was like okay i <laughs> uh, didn't really understand what he's talking about it's kind of difficult to still to my to this day i still don't fully grasp it um but one of the things that he mentioned i can't remember where maybe in his semi-autobiography memories dreams and reflections he might mention his experience with the I Ching, the ancient taoist tradition like a Chinese tradition uh, oracle tradition of the I Ching and I got really excited about this like three years ago I was like I want to dive into this I'm, I'm really interested in what he was looking at and interested in how his theory of synchronicity started to be stimulated by his earlier experiences with the I Ching and um and so I was really excited about this. And then I had this dream where I was at the DI, the, the Utah thrift store. And I found this book on the shelf and it was the I Ching. And I was so excited about it in the dream. And I open it up and it just unfolds. It continues to fold out and fold out and fold out and fold out. And all of a sudden it's like taking up this huge space in the store. And I'm like, oh shit, I can't close it back up. Like I can't get it back in and I so I'm just completely overwhelmed by this this huge unfolding almost like a map of some sorts and uh the the emotion in the dream was just complete overwhelm and so I woke up and was like immediately like okay it's not it's not my time to get into this I'm not ready for it psychologically um it will be a waste of time for me to dive into I Ching so but I knew because of the dream, I knew that there was some importance and that I would eventually get into it. So what's really interesting is that over the last three, four weeks, I've been deep diving into 
human design, which is just is such a bizarre framework, um, has similar origins to Jung's psychology. Who, if you know anything about Jung, he had these uh, this period of time where he was having visions, somewhat of a controlled psychotic break, and uh, and he wrote the Red Book, which also, if you know anything about Tolkien who wrote Lord of the Rings, he, at the same similar time period across the world, was having visions and wrote a red book. And Jung made his psychology out of his red book, and Tolkien made the Lord of the Rings out of his red book. Um, Very interesting uh, archetypal similarities in there. But um, somebody else uh, in 19... I think it was like 87 or something. This dude who who went by... uh, after the experience, he went by Ra, Uru, Hu, or something. And, but he had what he called, like, madness come upon him. He had a psychotic break for eight days and then came out of it with this relationship with um, the I Ching, the Zodiac, the um, Sephiroth, or the Tree of Life, and the Chakra System all coming into one framework. And what was interesting about this is that the I Ching, he sort of created a, a wheel around the, the earth and each section of the sky was, uh, or had a energy signature, let's say, a personality signature of each of the I Ching. So you could break this the circumference of the sky into all 64 hexagrams of the I Ching. And, uh, and then the, those map directly to what he calls the gates in the human body graph, blah, 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 lots of in- information. But I was like, okay, so these, this I Ching is coming up in my life again. And started diving really deep into this and into my, like, I've been watching the moon and what gate it's in or what hexagram it's in and then trying to notice any experiences inwardly or outwardly that match these um these energies or like this these patterns and um started having some interesting experiences which is similar to what Jung was doing when he was throwing sticks and which is like the original um process of working with the Ching as an oracle whereas this was more so yeah watching the the moon and watching because it moves through all 64 gates within the 28 day period and so you can kind of get a, a more tangible relationship to um, to patterns over time by watching the moon, and and then what's coming up inside of you, what's coming up on the news, on social media, what types of um, information is being programmed into the collective consciousness. And uh, as I'm diving into this, this dream of the I Ching unfolding in the in the thrift store has come back to me very vividly, which is the nature of dreams, is that you'll randomly remember a dream from four years ago, six years ago, ten years ago, when it's applicable again, or when it's ready to be looked at again by the, the ego. And so I got really excited, because I was like, it's time. It's time now. I, I, I've spent the last three years studying and getting to a place where I'm ready for the information in a sort of way. And so I've been like, really excited about this and then I um, was listening to like Rick Rubin talk to the dude that made 
the who wrote the book um, Gene Keys, uh, which I wasn't excited about at all. And then I realized, like, oh, Gene Keys is just a updated language around the I Ching. And so I bought the book, and I've been reading his interpretation of the I Ching. And um, it's just been very, very interesting and profound where I understand what this information is now, whereas in the past I was not ready at all. So the, the whole point of this is not to to pump up um, human design nor gene keys, but to illuminate this relationship with my dreams that I have, which is that I use them as a map or a guiding system for myself uh, a lot of the times. it has The dream has so many different like uh, purposes tools um oftentimes something like this is unique in sort of helping me decide where to put my energy the most efficiently when i first had the dream it was like no don't put it there yet and now the dream comes back and says yeah put it there now um it's very interesting it, it's a communication from my unconscious mind through um and the unconscious mind is unrelated or the further you get into the unconscious mind, the less in time it is. Meaning there's an essence of like um, fortuitous knowledge that the dream can have, which is very interesting. Especially the ego does not like that idea that this time isn't something we are stuck in. Um, and so you can get very interesting guidance from from your unconscious mind from dreams uh einstein and jung had conversations around the relativity of time and in context of the unconscious and the further into the unconscious you go the less the, or the more detached from time you become and this is like kind of the idea of like the birth or like the the home of the archetypes which is what the I Ching really kind of is, is um, 64 archetypes of programming information. You could even think of it as uh, literally programming, meaning, you know, if we're beings of being programmed by light coming from the neutrino star radiation or whatever, um, that these neutrinos are, pull this is a human design idea, that the neutrinos are pulling information from these, these archetypes and then programming your, your DNA. Um, yeah, I don't want to go into that right now, but um, it's an interesting idea. And whether, like, the, the nature of these types of ideas is fun because at the bottom of everything, it's unknowable. Everything is unknowable. The bottom of physics, the bottom of biology, every, every science that we have has an unknown origin because of the big, the big Bang. We don't know where it all came from. We can say, okay, well, now it's here and we can study everything that's here, but we can't ever go past that point. And there's always a point that you can't go past on everything. And so typically the foundation of any framework is going to be sitting on an unknown. Um, and then we're, we often try to describe the unknown from our paradigm. And that's like human design. He, he admits this too. He's like, yeah, I went crazy and I experienced something unknowable. 
And then I use my ego's perspective to put it into a mechanical system. Um, but it's all perspective. Like if you read, I never finished this book, but there's a book called like the, the journey of the souls and something that's common between everyone's near death experiences is that they translate the unknowable experience into whatever their ego, whatever their life experience was. The mechanic has a mechanical explanation. The spiritual person has a mystical explanation. Like there's the, the electrician has like an electrical interpretation. Uh, very interesting. Um, the nature of being human is that there is vast unknowns at the bottom of everything. And I bring this up just because I'm, I'm talking about it like it's this fact, but um, it's just a way that I think is a fun way to explain an unknowable, um, meaning these neutrinos that are programming us through the hexagrams of the I Ching. Um, and then you can look at the hexagrams as being 64 gods or sub-gods or something like that, or archetypes, um, influencing our unconscious mind and then eventually our conscious mind over time, over evolution. Um, but anyway, where was I? I was talking about the dream that I had in the I Ching, but yeah, it's gone, but it doesn't really matter. So this, this is where my mind is lately is I'm really taking in a lot of information and for a while I was feeling like it's sort of derailing me, but I always come back to my experience with Jung's work, which was that I needed to make sense of the cognition that was given birth, it, like the, the body, the form gives birth to the conscious mind. And so, um, there's this top down approach that Jung does, which is like, get your ego, right? Take care of all the symptoms. Um, not take care of them, but like that's your approach into your unconscious mind is through your symptoms, meaning through anxiety, through depression, through bipolar, OCD, narcissism, whatever it is, BPD. These are symptoms of a lack of communication between the unconscious mind and the, and the ego, and that you can use them as entry points into um, what needs to be integrated into consciousness. Literally, the symptom itself is a flag to say, hey, look here, this is your entry point. Um, so in a way, symptoms are, are neutral, they're not good or bad there even maybe i would say good because they point you towards where your growth is um your growth is most accessible anyway so like for me my um i'm trying to think of what my symptoms tend to be anxiety uh, It might be something I talk about later on another podcast when it comes up. Where was I? Where was I going with this? So, oh yeah, I was coming back to Jung. Like, I, I really believe that this exploration, Jung's work and his psychology is all about the subjective experience. I love his quote, 
every human is an exception to the rule. He, he created these frameworks and he, he sort of, you know, classified things he observed, observed. And, uh, and he's always like, yeah, if you come up with a better framework, like, I hope so, please do. Um, but it's an entry point into organizing your experience. And that organization is very masculine. And I think that, interestingly enough, I think our species is both repressed, has our masculinity and our femininity, femininity repressed. Um, and for me, freeing the masculine and the logos and the structure within my ego, which is the ego is fundamentally masculine. Everyone's ego is, um, meaning it, it's structured in linear time it speaks in language and it uses it's very left-brained if you will and uh the unconscious is very feminine and very non-linear and detached from time and detached from language it uses images and emotion um and but in order to understand and to sort of incorporate or integrate the the feminine unconscious chaos of our psyche you need like I, I think of it like a bookshelf. You need a shelf to put all the information on. If I don't have the structure and the scaffolding in my ego, I will be swamped, overwhelmed by the tsunami of the unconscious. The dreams don't do anything for you if you don't know how to relate to them, which is through the emotion and the symbolism, meaning the analytical approach is only going to get you so far to a dream. You have to... The whole point of analyzing a dream is to open up any emotional um, symbolic information that might be related to the imagery so that you might experience more emotional depth. Um, so if you can get to the emotion without analyzing, then it's great. Um, it's how I work with a lot of my dreams is just by waking up and then sitting in the emotion that that, draft, that dream left me. And a lot of times you'll get woken up right before something intense or during something intense so that you can consciously come online and recognize and digest the emotion that the dream is bringing to you. The emotion is bringing you, the dream is bringing you emotion that is not yet conscious. And so if it can catch you awake, it's like, it's very much so like EMDR. I mean, EMDR is very much so like dream work. Um, like a dream I had two nights ago. I was in a home and there was a cat. And I was with a woman and she didn't let the cat out. And I was like, the cat has to pee. Like I can tell the cat has to go to the bathroom. And it was getting really anxious and stressed. And then eventually I let the cat out. And I'm watching this cat and it like dives into the water, like into the snowy, muddy water and it pulls itself under a bush. And it's like, I can see it's like beaming, happy, smiley cat. Um, and it's rolling around in the dirt and I have to let go of the fact that this cat is getting messy and dirty. And then it hears something and it darts away. And my instinct is like to chase it. But I realize like, no, this cat needs to be free. It'll come back. And I woke up with this image of this smiling cat and this free cat that's able to, to follow its instinct. And, and I sit in this feeling of, well, like what that 
image of the cat smiling or beaming. It wasn't actually smiling. It was just like beaming. And it brings, it brought up this freedom, this freedom of listening to the now and to the instinct of my body and the animal aspect of myself that might not make sense to my rational mind. Um, I'm at a place in my life that I can trust my instincts. Um, cause there was a time when I couldn't really trust my body because it was so dependent or I wouldn't, I don't even know if that's true. I just, there was so much abuse with drugs and alcohol that I didn't know what was me, what was my body, what was my ego, what was this and that addiction. So it's been a, you know, a five, six year process of like finding out what I can trust and what I can't trust. Um, and my body is something that I can trust and it's consistent. Um, and this is something that has brought great, great peace in my life because I can set aside my mind when it comes to making decisions for myself. Cause my body knows my body knows how to make money. It's an energetic thing. It has nothing to do with schemes and plans of my mind. It has everything to do with being in the right energy or emotion. I should say they're the same thing kind of. Um, so this dream, I use it to remember, to let go of my mind, let go of what I think I want, let go of what I think is right for me and to pay attention to the instinctual intuition. This isn't necessarily what's best for everybody either. Your dream is very, very subjective. It's very, very oriented towards you and your experience. This is why I like Jung's work is because it's about the subject. Like, let me give you an example of why I like Jung's work. Synchronicity, the, the theory of synchronicity um, is really the theory of miracles. Jung talks about how, you know, you take the average, you flip a coin a hundred times and you take the average and it's like 50-50 or whatever. I'm not a statistician, so I don't really know that what I'm talking about here. But, um, but then there's like the, the bell curve of like, the one out of a million chances that you flip heads a hundred times. Um, but that is discounted from science, meaning that's an anomaly. That's not the average. That's not statistically probable yet. It happens sometimes. And that's the miracle is that something happens outside of probability. Um, and so Jung was looking at what he was looking at the ends of the bell curve saying, Okay, well, subjectively, people experience this even though it's not probable, practical, or average. Um, but the study of science is not about what is uniquely experienced. It's about what's experienced um, averagely. And Jung was more interested in what happens subjectively on the ends of the bell curve. Why do people experience miracles? Whether the miracle is objectively, scientifically a truth doesn't matter to psychology because that person's experience of it is the fact that we're looking at. Um, and so his theory of synchronicity is exploring the experience of miracles, the, the experience of the, the outer edges of the bell curve, um, the, the not average experience, the meaningful experiences. Um, so yeah, like dream work isn't about tr like truth. 
objective truth, objective meaning. It's about the experience psychologically of extracting meaning. Getting into a relationship with your unconscious is more important than getting a correct interpretation objectively of a dream. It's about the process that is healing to the psyche. Um, and I think that this is fundamentally very important to understand that it doesn't even matter if you find the correct interpretation. There is no correct interpretation. It's about the experience of extracting meaning. And the meaning in life has to be excavated. It doesn't just approach you. It doesn't just land in your lap. You have to excavate it. You have to mine it out of moments, out of dreams, out of relationships, out of experiences. And this is something that I've been steeping in in the last three weeks is like meaning. Like every moment is so meaningful to me. I know it'll, it'll ebb and flow, but I'm integrating this capacity to just be steeped in meaning at all times. Um, and that really just looks like intention, getting my mind. Like when I get water, I'm like, holy shit, there's water coming out of my sink. Like what a blessing. What an amazing civilization we live in that i have drinking water hot drinking water i'm not gonna drink it hot but the fact that it can be hot is crazy um and that we take it for granted how simple everything looks to us is a miracle it's bizarre it's a miracle in context is of the average human experience over the course of the um existence of humans right if they saw anything we were doing, it would be miraculous. Um, and for us to pay attention to that, to, for me to pay attention to that brings more meaning into my life. It brings genuine um, gratitude into my life. And that feeling of gratitude upregulates growth hormones, meaning helps me live longer, puts me into a state of healing and of cell division that is um, in the proper environment versus, you know, stress or fear that leads to incoherent environment, an acidic environment in your body that then breeds mutation and, um, and cancer. Anyway, um, so... I've been a little bit stressed about money, which is annoying to me because when I get stressed about money, it doesn't do anything for me. Money has always come to me when I'm in the right mental state, which is gratitude. It sounds stupid. I would have hated hearing that from me, but it's true. My mind has never solved my problem. Um, I think it helps a lot of other people get in touch with themselves and that's what I like about my brain is that I can conceptualize and build fr on top of frameworks and like and then teach them and and apply them in a way that brings people closer to their excavation of meaning and truth and, and purpose and belonging brings them closer to themselves and then when I get to be around people who are attached to themselves or know themselves I get a better experience, and so it's like a win-win for everybody. Um, but money comes with finding yourself. Money's interesting because people think of it as tangible, but it's not. It's an abstract 
abstract. It's it's on the highest ladder of abstraction. There's only represent. It's a it's a symbol. It do, it's not even an icon. It's a symbol. It we're not quite sure what it is. We relate to something almost unknowable through the idea of money. Um, when you start to understand that, you understand the flow of money and of authority. Um, money is attracted to authority. If I can find myself and my authority, meaning that if I can make decisions based off of my truth, my connection to what is consistent in me, my integrity, that authority that I take back opens up channels of opportunity, both through, uh, f like for money and for relationship and for people. And this world is very bizarre that we live in this illusion um, of separateness. <sighs> it's good stuff. Anyway, I think that's it for now. Thanks for listening. I'm going to try to do this every day. We'll see. <laughs> we'll see how it goes. Love and peace, as they say. Take it easy. Book a session with me if you want to start working on this stuff. I will teach you.